Welcome to the Human Advisor Podcast. This series is brought to you by Altruist, a digital platform that helps remove the friction from managing money and enables financial advisors to do their best work. Be sure to check out altruist.com to learn more about how Altruist is changing the face of finance. In this episode of The Human Advisor, Dr. Preston Cherry of Concurrent Financial Planning joins me to talk about how money is a part of the human condition and how we all need to do an honest self-assessment to realize our financial goals. You don't want to miss it. Tune in. It is about the human condition, life money balances. It is succinctly letting your life lead your money and not your money leading your life. It is not to be reactive if you can. I want to jump right into it, man. I think for me, I didn't get the memo as a, as a kid mm -hmm. because we weren't having a lot of conversations about money at the dinner table. Right. And what I see from you through and through is somebody who is an educator. But before we get to that, let's talk about money and your exp first experiences with money. Talk about your household and how money played a part in it. Well, you know, we talked about money often. Really? Yeah, we did. And a lot of people now, you know, talk about money through or want to talk about money through like fintech right conversations don't happen that often mm -hmm. that's why i guess fintech apps are trying to happen a lot because people are trying to fill that gap it's getting a lot better with the younger generation information is passing a lot more because information is readily available but just because like just because information is just readily available access doesn't mean the conversations are deep. Mm. It, that doesn't mean that. So let's talk about that. When you grew up, were your parents talking about money and what were those conversations? Well, it, it really wasn't, hey, let's sit around the table and and talk about, you know, this or that or the, the money thing. It was just more about living it. Mm -hmm. Well, we talked about what's going to happen. Mm. Like when an event jumped off. Mm -hmm. All right. Th this, this is what's coming down the pipe. So let's prepare for that. If it was a, an event, a life event, somebody may have gotten laid off or somebody got was on the come up. Mm -hmm. All right. So, but we got there was an elevator and it, it wasn't always like negative. Mm -hmm. It was something positive as well. But, but my dad used to call it. He still does. This is one of our household things. Roll and adapt. Mm -hmm. You got to roll and adapt. So it was survival skills, but it was also adapt. It was leveling up, but also rolling as well. So those were those were money things. It was just conversation. It was communicating. You know, you don't need to ask for that. Right. You don't need to ask for that. It, it was, hey, it, it, we, we were talking over. It could have been we, we watched a movie or something. You know, we got some some food. We could have been pizza. It was like, hey, hey y'all, this is what's about to happen. All right. We're about to do this, this, and this. And that was a money conversation, but it wasn't, hey, let's talk about a budget or this or this. This is what's about to happen for the next. Do you have any questions? Let's get ready for this. So I think that something that you said, rolling adapt, right, mm -hmm. is something that I feel like a lot of underrepresented communities really, that's how they manage their finances, right? Yeah. They're reacting instead of being proactive. Mm -hmm. And I think in some regards that teach you, you know, how to be tough, right. how to be gritty, right. right? How to make your make ends meet when you have no other way. And I think a lot of us, right. <laughs> right, a lot of us have that trait inherently. Like I have to make a way. But there's another part of that that's planning. 
that's patience, that's really drawing out a blueprint to ensure that you'll be successful. And that kind of brings me to you. How did you find financial services? Because you're an academic, right? You're a doctor, got your degree, I think, at Texas Tech University, right? So take me along the journey as you found financial services and and starting your firm, Concurrent Financial Planning. Well, I started at at PV, PVAMU. Okay. So Prairie View University, because I grew up in Houston. Born in Kansas City, raised in Houston. And, well, I had a professor. Well, he's still a mentor of mine. I don't talk to him often, but when we chop it up, you know, we we do talk. And Jan Jasper, Dr. Jan Jasper. And actually, before that, uh, Dr. Freddie Richards had a a good friend of mine that I grew up with. And his dad taught at Prairie View. And I grew up in the suburbs, but I I went to Prairie View because I wanted a culture change at the time. Okay. And... Dr. Richards walked my application down because he always talked about HBCUs. He was like, well, one of y'all are going to come out of the suburbs and y'all going to, you, you're going to go to, you know, you're going to go to HBCU. Nobody wanted to go. This was in high school? Yeah. Okay. And so I wanted to go, you know, because I wanted a culture change at the time. I could have went to, you know, Texas A&M, this, that, and the other, but I, 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 I wanted to go. I wanted to experience that. And he walked my application to PV and I got accepted and I went to PV. And then I took this personal finance class there. And I didn't know personal finance was a thing. But uh, like I said, we always talked about kind of money experience in our house. We had a general ledger in our house. Mm. Old school. Like I had, I was introduced to a matching program at my house. You know, we had uh, an allowance and we used to take some of that allowance, put it in this ledger, write it down, put cash in there and keep a book like that. So it was a matching program where we also had to take money out of there when something happened. Anyway, my point about that is when I took this personal finance class, I didn't know personal finance was actually a thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't know it was a, didn't know it was called something. Right. <laughs> Until Dr. Jasper put me on game. All right. And then when he told me about it, he was like, "Okay, there's a budget." And I remember he told me he said, "Um, he said, okay, I want y'all to write out what your first year may look like in finances when you graduate." He said, "Write out these line items." And I was, he said, "What's your what's your clothing clothing budget?" And I said, you know, so and I said zero. I already got a suit." <laughs> and I said, look at my suit, my suit's right here. It kind of happened to be career day, I remember, something like that. He was like, no, you're going to need a whole new right. apparatus, mm-hmm. right? And so he started thinking about thinking about those things, right? He happened to know somebody at, at Texas Tech. He had some friends there. And he introduced the whole class to Texas Tech. We took a, there was a program at the time with, I think it was ING or something like that between them and Texas Tech. And it was creating some diversity or something like that. Mm. And uh, we we took a, a, a tour, campus tour, and we took the class down there and introduced us to Texas Tech because he had some friends there. And uh, we spent a couple of days out there and they introduced us to the financial planning program right there, which is a legacy program. Been around for a long time. And that's how it started. I think that was in 2002. And from then on, I was a bank teller at the time. And I kept, well, I kept working at the bank. But I think uh, about five or six years later, I went end up going back and doing the master's program. But that just that introduction and it leads into like mentorship and all that type of stuff. It's just at the right time. And to wrap this story up, I remember when I finished Prairie View and my dad and my mother, when we when I graduated, it was in 2003. <laughs> I finished and we walked outside from the baby donors where they play basketball. We we walked out. We said, we, we, you know, we made it, you know, we, I'm, I'm, I'm finished. We, we, we finished with graduation and all that. And um, my dad said, yeah, well, you know, we're done. And uh, my, Dr. Jasper said, 
No, you're not done. You got a, you got a lot more to go, a lot more to do. My dad said, I'm done. <laughs> he said, you're going to have to take him from here, Dr. J. You know? So my dad and my mom took me as far as I could go. They knew that they needed to pass me on mm. and to, so I can go further. And they did. Because Dr. Jasmine took me, introduced me to tech, and then I went on further from there. So what I see on social is that you're very influential, right? There's a guy that works now at a, a planning firm in St. Louis, yeah. right? And he was the first one who kind of introduced me to you because he was like, this is the person that really set my mind on wanting to become a financial pl planner. Mm -hmm. Adaro. Oh, yeah. Adaro. Yeah. Adaro, yeah. Yeah, so he's uh -huh. up in, in St. Louis. But I wanted to know, like, what inspired you to become a financial planner at that point, right? Because obviously you had some training, though informal, through your household. But what was the thing that was like, hey, I want to do this and I want to help inspire financial planners like Adaro and my clients to live better lives? I didn't really get the bug until I went back for, you know, the, the master's degree and really, really about the, the, the degree itself. <laughs> I, I I just felt that once I got back onto the campus uh, at, at Tech, I, I said I wanted to do something different because I was in banking at the time. And I was just like, you know, uh, I had relationships. And I was like, you know, I want to do something different. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just know I wanted to do something different. Mm -hmm. So it was a different bug. I said, let me try. So it was just at that time, it was just let me try something different. And, and and when I did that and I got into the mix, then that's when it clicked. What made you stick with it? It was the transformational experience at the time. It, it was the ah moment for me. And I and and see how I just walked out, I just walked it. I, I use that in my with my clients now. It is that ah moment. Mm -hmm. It is that it is that it factor. You can't explain an it to someone unless they've gone through an it. Mm -hmm. We use that as, as planners, right? It's very hard to explain a value proposition sometimes uh, because it's, it's sometimes there's no tangibility. That's why you, we integrate you know, financial psychology and things because you have to draw out those emotions, the why. I know that's cliche, but have people share their stories. And people share their stories. That's that glue. I was talking to someone the other day. It's like, you know, Remember back in like first or second grade, you know, you just always had to put like Elmer's glue on over and over again because you had that construction paper and it would just slide off because it would just slide. <laughs> it wouldn't stick. So you had to put some more glue on them and then slide. But now we got Gorilla Glue and you put that one little dab on there and you, it, 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 it sticks. If people share their story, they walk themselves in there and they have the awe moment. And once they have that awe moment, and they have that it, they're like, oh, okay, I got that it thing. And then when I had my it thing, at when I went back, I was like, wow, this is what this can do. Mm -hmm. And then I started remembering my stories, what you asked for me about, you know, at the top that you asked me, I was like, okay, this is what this can do. What was the it thing though, right? So when you were going through the program and you saw like, this is something I want to do full time. I want to give people the same um, revelation that I've experienced through understanding my finance, what was the thing that was like, hey, this was so transformational for me. Mm -hmm. I want to give this same feeling to a lot of other people because I remember I worked at a firm coming straight out of school and they told me they hired me specifically because I had grit. They're like, you're, yeah. gritty, you're a gritty dude. We want to hire you. But when I went there, I saw that people were able to use their dollars 
right. to ease their workload mm-hmm. and to provide stability mm-hmm. for their family, right? Their children and for their children's children. I've never seen anything like that before. Right. So the it moment for me was saying, hey, I have a legacy that I want to uphold. Right. I have a father that's passed and I want to make sure that I give my son, my future son or daughter, right? Mm-hmm. The stability that they need. That was my it moment. What was yours? Yes. It was packaging up what my parents were trying to do for my sister and me. Mm-hmm. They knew, they made a conscious decision early and they told us about it going through life that they were trying to elevate us with the inputs. Because mm-hmm. right, they were young when they had us. How? 20 and 18. Oh, wow. When they had us. And they made a conscious decision at, at really as teenagers. And this is actually incredible to put the human development, the human condition skills in a self-worth, self-value. These are the production skills that a human being needs. Right. And also basic finances, things, because they knew that they were really going to go and take us so far. But if they put education, self-worth, self-value, and introduced us to things, then we would be able to produce what we needed to achieve what we needed to do. Yeah. And so that was the ah moment. I was, I was like, oh, okay. If I can package that up, mm-hmm. and when, when I saw that process, I was like, oh, okay, this can be packaged and can be transformative. Yeah. Because there there is a, a thing called planning. And then as it became, as my career went further, it got deeper, and then I started connecting into the, the life planning. And because then it started clicking into the things that I'm good at, which is the storytelling, which is the listening and connecting with people and and the empathy and the vulnerability and those things, because those things became, uh, those are natural to me because those are gifts that, uh, well, God gives, but my, but my parents gave me those. My sister gave me those, my, my grandmother, those purpose, listening to my grandmother and my granddad tell us those stories, those oral history stories. Okay. All right. Those are couch moments. All right. All of those. All right. Those are they're called things now. Fin size, story listening, reflective listening, empathy, vulnerability, all of these things that go these inputs that go into planning to match up with the mechanics. You know, I know, you know, getting the life money balance and we'll talk about that later. But when you ask me about what made it click, it started there at that one point when I went back to tech and I said, okay. Now we can package this up because I see what my parents were trying to do and could be transformative as it started to progress later on. As I lived a little bit longer and went through some things, you talked about grit because I had some failures in between there, just with personally and professionally. Then I matched that, that transformational thing because I realized it could be packaged with all of those disconnects with life and match that up. And then I was like, oh, okay, then it can even be even more transform- transformational. And that's why I'm here now. Let me let me ask you a question about what you said about having the resources. I saw I play college football, right? Yeah. And I used to tell my running back coach, like, I want every tool in my toolbox because I never know when I'm going to have to use them on the field, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it was catching, running, jumping, you know, I wanted to be good at everything because I knew at some point during the course of a four-quarter game, I would have to utilize one of these tools. And it sounds to you like you discovered through education that your parents were trying to give you tools to the best of their ability Mm -hmm. to go ahead and be a productive citizen and be stable in the world. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? 
Now, let's get into life money balance, right? You've trademarked a quote or a phrase to give on to your clients. Can you explain what life money balance means to you and your your, your demographic? Yes, yes. And it's it's a human demographic. Mm -hmm. And that's intentional as far as its audience. It is about the human condition, life money balance is. It is succinctly letting your life lead your money and not your money leading your life. It is not to be reactive if you can, because if, and that came from personal experience. It was a long period of time in my life to where I was reacting to money all the time. Mm -hmm. And you explained that in the beginning and saying like, we would have events that would happen, right? mm -hmm. That would force us to then recalibrate our plan. But go ahead. Yeah. For, yes. And that, that was that. And, and we had times in our, in our in our early childhood too, as far as our household is concerned, that we, we were, we did have a plan. You know, it, it may have gotten interrupted and we, and we and we didn't have that time to let it compound. Also, we had some times where we didn't have, where we were elevating our family and we were, had, we had opportunities to borrow from family to where, to where we can, you know, put money into a house or down payment in a house. We had to pay that back. Again, there's no compounding there. What I'm getting at is that, for particularly with life money balance and reacting to money in this construct, there's reacting to money A and there's reacting to money B, which is if there's no life design first, and it's, I, I, I refer to this as a fog time in my personal life, to where if you're looking at your life and your money and there's no direction and there's no life design, where, where are we going? Mm -hmm. Where's the aspiration? Where's the alignment? And I, I, me personally, I was using my resources to, there was no direction there. So my money was leading, you know, this, this lack of direction. Mm -hmm. And it was just going down a hole. And neither one of them had any direction. Yep. So that was, that was the leader. And at times I needed to sit down and do another terminology you have so the money mechanics of of an hsa is a you know health spending plan account the other terminology a psychology account that i came up with is an honest self-audit i like that you have to sit down and say well what are we doing and i did that for myself right and that's How when did you, you do that well that's when you know courage and honesty start kicking in that's tough you know that, that that takes work and it takes a long time. It, it that doesn't come right off the bat, but it, once it's done, it's good work. It's good work. That's that's that odd moment too. It's the three A's that I that I use, which is admit where you are, acknowledge how you feel about that, so you can process what that is, mm -hmm. and then you can take action. And that's the odd moment. Mm -hmm. Now that's a process. But once we get those two A's out the way, then we can get to the third A. And that's when you start that's when you start creating that life's design. And that's life money balance. And once they're aligned, letting your life lead your money and not your money lead your life, now we have inputs, we have information to inform the money mechanics of it. Right. And now they're aligned because that's where I got the name for the co company actually, concurrent. Now they're working in partnership. Right. Your life and your money. Right. And this is what we're talking about. And, and now, now we're talking about life, money, balance, and that's what it's all about. And in th that process, that process is transformative. I used to have it as transformative process, this arte, mm -hmm. but then I I rephrased it because it's a transformative experience, and it is. And 
I don't use why anymore. It, it is a transformative experience. Because when you go through that, then that's that it thing. That's that it thing. What I know about financial planning mm-hmm. is that once you are vulnerable with yourself, Mm-hmm. And you have the acknowledgement, right? You do that mm-hmm. audit that you speak about. Mm-hmm. You are now left with a choice that you have to make. Mm-hmm. And the choice is the last A that you mentioned, which is action. Mm-hmm. And whether you act or not, that is an action, mm-hmm. right? So like if you choose to ignore the facts of whatever you've outlined in your plan, that's an action that will mm-hmm. make you regress. Or you can take actions that can help you progress. In talking about progression, I think that there's been a huge push to help find like educate communities, especially underrepresented mm-hmm. communities. In what ways do you think that the advising community can do its part in trying to reach back and elevate those who were traditionally disenfranchised from some of the information and the advice and service that we're known to give? I think that pro bono work is something that we could adapt in the profession for sure, particularly during the and in the CFP uh, element which is, you know, while someone's trying to aspire to uh, get the CFP, then you, you do have to get some experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a way to, to get some CFP hours. The uh, continuing education element, I, I think that's, I'm a champion for that, to use some of that CE time to get some CF, to, to get some pro bono work. And my, the program, program leaders, can use their uh, programs to reach out to the community and leverage those programs and do that. For instance, mm-hmm. I'm using a framework that's been used in other programs. I didn't create it. I mean, and then there's other programs like it. All right, but this one in particular, I'm, I'm leveraging off a framework that that uh, that I've seen work before, which is to use some of the kids that are students that are in these financial planning programs and have them give presentations to any really organization that will listen to fundamental financial education. Mm -hmm. And that encapsulates or includes underrepresented communities. And I want to say this, that financial education, everybody needs it. Everybody needs it. It is a a blanket statement. And And it so happens to capture underrepresented communities as, as well. Because um, m- money is is a human condition. Mm-hmm. It is about an experience. Uh, money does two things. You know, money either jingles or it folds. <laughs> All right. So if there is purpose behind the financial education initiative, then we won't have underrepresented communities. All right. Because financial education, literacy, and the like, it is a public good. It is a human condition good. All right? So we shouldn't have underrepresented communities when we're talking about money. And so that, that's the way I handle it. All right? And that's why I handle my practice as well. I don't segment. Because that's why I, have, I, I intentionally have life money balance as a human condition effort. And the second part of the first three A's with the ah moment, when you're talking about admit acknowledge and action is the third is called part of a block, which is align, aspire and achieve. Mm. You have six of those. It's also part of the human condition. So I wanted to just bring all that in about the human condition. When we're talking about money, it is a human condition. It affects everybody. It does. And I'm a firm believer in that. I'm a firm believer in that. And going back to education, when we wrap it up 
in a package of wellness, financial education, literacy, capability, sustainability, along with financial psychology and a financial plan. So we got FinEd, FinCap, FinLit, FinSus, FinSci, FinPlan. Then you have financial wellness. We're good. Now you have an elevated condition. Now you have an elevated human being. And then they can aspire to do what they like. And now you have purpose. And now we're getting somewhere. I want to ask you this last question. If you could think back to, you know, the efforts that your your parents mm-hmm. were trying to do for you, right? And the, the lessons and the values they were trying to instill in you. What would you tell your younger self? One piece of personal advice and one piece of business advice that you would give the younger Preston um, <laughs> now with all that you know. Wow, man. Oh, we are in a chair. <laughs> not, to, not to hold so much in. Not to hold so much in because it was, uh, that was the greatest thing in that fog period that I was t- telling you about. Mm-hmm. It cost so much time, energy, and money to unlock that stuff back out. Yeah. When you think about hold something in, are you talking about like just the, the traumas of being a yeah, young yeah. black man in America or talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it was just that, yeah, young black, but just being just just going through anything uh, at the at the time. I, I it was so it was social traumas. It was just uh, being misunderstood just a, a, as a whole. Um, and then just growing, growing up, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs. I experienced a lot, but it was, but I had opportunity as well. And but I, I could tell you that there's two inputs that my family gave me, my mother and my father gave me with self-worth and self-value. You have those two inputs, then you're 70% there if you have those along with love. And then you can, you can, you can get a, 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 a long way with, with those with those inputs. Also too, it's very popular now, but my mother was an instiller of vulnerability and empathy. We, I, we could talk to my mother and sister and I could talk to her about anything. We, we had access to her. We can be open and honest about anything. And um, I, I think I could have trusted her a little more with, with, with things. And even as I got older, I was always an old soul, still am. You know, I'm 42 now, feel 62 in ways. You look 25. <laughs> I wish at times, you know, being a, a natural leader comes with a gifts and curse. I wish even in my earlier 20s that I I, I wish that I didn't think that I, I uh, was running out of time. You know, so I still want to tell myself, you have time, trust more, you know, talk more. I'm a big communicator now. I'm a big advocate of talking, find someone to speak with and, and, and trust and talk things out. So as to, as not to hold things in because it costs a lot in monetary time and just, um, just human well-being to unlock that and unpack that back out if it's, if it's bottled up. And then one piece of business advice. Business advice, know who you are. Know who you are, because if you know who you are, then that that finds your path. It's okay not to be a A-type person or entrepreneur. 
don't be, uh, I'm, I'm getting sick of people right now, you know, saying all you got to be is an entrepreneur and go get this money and this, that, and the other. And, this, and that, that's not always the case. Be comfortable with who you are. And once that is defined, then you, then you can go out and be who you want to be. And whatever that may, whatever that is, you know, if that's a desk, cool. If that is whatever that production is because it is about production. Whatever you use your human production to do to produce some income to take care of your household and be purposeful in the world, that's cool as long as you know who you are and you're comfortable with it. That's business advice. I understand that. Know thyself, right? Yes. We good. Preston, it's been a pleasure. I want to make sure that people that are watching, if they want to follow what you're doing, they're able to. Where can they find you on the social media and also drop your firm's website? Yes. The firm's website, thank you very much, is concurrentfp.com and Twitter and Facebook. And Twitter is Dr. Preston Cherry. And also Instagram is Dr. Preston Cherry as well. Awesome. Thank you, Preston. And thank you all for watching yet another episode of The Human Advisory. If you want to follow up with all that we're doing here at Altruist, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. I'm your host, Desarte Yarnway. We'll see you back here again soon. This was another episode of the Human Advisor podcast. Visit thehumanadvisor.com for new episodes and be sure to check out altruist.com to learn more about how Altruist is changing the face of finance. Each advisor's journey is different and your results may vary. While we hope you find this information helpful, success cannot be guaranteed. Also, Altruist and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice.